Welcome back to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast, and by the title, you should know who I am. I am Darian, the Mouth of the South Gray, coming at you with another episode. So, it's the first one after the draft. Tell me how you guys are feeling on Twitter at South Exclusive, on Instagram at underscore Mouth of the South. I love to know how y'all feeling. For me, when looking at these picks, a lot of them feel like future payoffs. Almost everyone except for maybe Pete Werner feels like it may be one that's a future payoff. And that's not a problem. It just gives me another lens to look through when I'm evaluating the draft. So I want to start off with Peyton Turner. Come and go in order, one through seven. Peyton Turner, I feel, unfortunately, may be a victim of expectations. And I'm going to tell you what I mean. I'm about to go on a story, kind of a tangent, completely separate. But follow me, follow me. I am not leaving the topic. It's all directed back to Peyton Turner. So, MCU. I didn't really care for the Captain Marvel movie that much. Personally. And when me, when it comes to me, with the MCU, I'm just like one of those guys. Like, man, everything was great. Like, I loved it. I loved it. Except for, like, a couple of movies. But Captain Marvel, I just couldn't get down with. And I bashed it. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. And I might have been strong with it. But I bashed it. And I've gotten argued down to just saying it's not a good movie for MCU standards. Okay, I guess I can rock with that. That's why I always argue down and it's kind of a middle ground that I settle with. But when I question myself, is it just a bad movie or is it bad for MCU standards? Did the expectation of what an MCU movie should be make me look at Captain Marvel differently? All right, let me tell you how this, how this lines up to Peyton Turner. I'm a very emotional person, not like getting sad. I mean, like I'm emotional and passionate and you can often hear it from my voice. I try to contain it here because I don't want to be making like rash decisions and, you know, rash statements that just stick here because I'm on mic and it's not like I'm just in regular life where I can delete a tweet or I can just say like I take it back. There will be people who will hear this, hear me say something crazy, maybe never hear me again. I done went back on what I said, like, okay, I have more information. They ain't trying to hear that. They're not trying to hear that at all. So I try to avoid that when I'm on microphone and when I'm in media because it's just just not right. I'm not a hot take person. I'm not that person just going to say something crazy to try to get clicks or anything. So I kind of went a little crazy on Peyton Turner. I was like, this guy? This the guy you picked? X, Y, and Z? But often after I do this, I often try to bring it back and, you know, think some more. My brain function doesn't just cut off when I have this emotional reaction. So I think about it, and sometimes I'll change my mind, and sometimes I'll submit my opinion. On Peyton Turner, I changed my mind, okay? And I'm going to tell you why I think he might be a victim of expectations. When I was looking at who the Saints should draft, I had three guys. I had Marshall, I had Jeremiah, or Terrace Marshall, excuse me, out of LSU. I had Jeremiah Usu-Koromo out of Notre Dame, and I had Greg Newsom out of 25. Clearly the Saints didn't love Greg Newsom because they go get their guys. Everybody said they go get their guys, and they do. They would have had to just trade up to 25 to get them. I don't think it would have been difficult to get the Jaguars to trade from 25 to 28. I don't think that Travis Etienne would have been gone by 28, and I think they would have been pretty comfortable trading back a little bit. And even if he was gone, they wanted Kadarius Toney. I'm sure they could have gotten Elijah Moore and been okay and pretty satisfied at 28. So that tells me that you didn't want him enough to go up and get him. But back to Peyton Turner, you know, I told myself when he was picked, he has to have this huge impact this year to make this pick worth it. Why? 
because JOK was there. And I had never heard of this guy being a first, a first rounder. That's why I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning that same night. So essentially Friday night or Friday morning coming out of Thursday night. And I tweeted out, all right, I think I've evened out. I don't know the exact words, but I think I said I evened out on it. And I was upset and had this reaction because I didn't know who Peyton Turner was, and I wanted JLK. That's why I was so strong with this guy. This is the guy we picked, and I didn't understand it, but I do now because I've listened to people. I've heard his scouting report. I get the upside that he could potentially have. But then most importantly, I thought this was a reach because it's not like I had no idea who Peyton Turner was. I just didn't think of him as a first-round pick, kind of like the Alex Leatherwood thing. People say that he was going to be a first-round pick. They just may not have thought he was going to go so early to Oakland or, excuse me, to Vegas. But with Peyton Turner, I didn't think he was a first-round pick, so I thought it was some huge reach. I thought he was a guy that we could possibly get in the 50s type of range if you want to trade up and get a defensive end, maybe late 40s. But then you hear that a lot of teams were looking at this guy, and he expected to go between 20 and 40. So I'm like, okay, it's not a reach. It is not a reach. But that's what I was feeling. But let's even bring it back. Though I've changed my mind. If Aziz Ojolari was the pick at 28, who I liked as a defensive end, I think he can play 4-3, even though he's a little bit light. I think I've said it on here before. If he was the pick, I would not have reacted the same way because I know who he is. I, wanted, I want more out of Peyton Turner than I did out of Aziz Ojolari at the moment. I'm not talking about now, but at the moment, that's how I was feeling. Man, this guy kind of got to come out here and just go crazy for me to feel like he should have been 28. Why should I want that? I would say, why would I? Because I? But I know that reason. I know the reason that I felt this way, but why should I? I think it's unfair. Two defensive ends drafted in the same exact placement because we're saying if Aziz Ojolari was in Peyton Turner's place, so they're both drafted at 28. Why should I place more expectations on one, especially the lesser touted one? That doesn't make sense. But I did it because I need him to validate his position. When you feel like someone's been overdrafted or... This is not where they should have went. Now it's like, man, I need you to validate where you at because I don't see it. I don't feel like Peyton Turner should have been a first rounder. So now you have to do better than a, a regular first rounder just to prove to me that you deserve your spot. If Aziz Ojolari and Peyton Turner have the same exact stats, it'd be like, I don't know. Or if he just has a, a notch below Ojolari, man, we, we should have drafted Ojolari. I'm not looking for that anymore. I'm trying to be fair to him. Because I felt like because we should have drafted someone else, now there's heightened expectations on him. And these expectations are where you get in trouble. But if we're being frank about it, that's all the draft is. You sitting there thinking, oh, we should draft this person. Oh, I expected us to draft this guy or get this guy. And when you pass upon your guy and you pick somebody else, the fan base is enraged. I get it. I'm not above that. I'm not about to sit here and act like I don't get upset. I was upset when they didn't pick Jeremiah Usu Koromoa. I'm still upset, to be honest about you. I mean, to be honest with you, that's how I feel. I still feel like that was a guy, but that's not. we're not going to talk about him right now. We're not going to talk about him right now. We are going to talk about him, about him later in the show, but right now we're not going to. So that's all the draft is, feeling like we should have got this person, that person. You didn't get him. Excuse me. So when I look at Captain Marvel, come bringing it back, what does Captain Marvel have to do with any of this? I know that's probably what you're thinking. But some could say my expectation of what an MCU movie should have been keeps me from enjoying what it really is. All right. Jer Jeremiah Wusu koromoa Doc uh, Dr. Strange. I like Dr. Strange. So I don't know if y'all not as high on it, but I love Dr. Strange. You know, 
Greg Newsom, Civil War. And while hopefully he isn't, in my opinion, the Captain Marvel, but just because you're not Civil War, you're not in game, who says you can't be Thor Ragnarok? You know what I mean? And who says this person that we thought wasn't going to be this turns out to be that? Because when you look at expectations, look at a couple years ago. The Saints wanted Reuben Foster. Now, you got Ramshack, and we see what he is now, but really think about it. You think it's not disappointing to have this person on the phone saying, we're going to pick you, and he says, hey, y'all, San Francisco calling me, and they got one pick above you. Sorry. You think that's not disappointing? You got your second choice. Ain't no way around that. That is a disappointment, but look how it turned out. Look at where Reuben Foster's at. You know? Look where Ramcheck is. Maybe Aziz Ojolari turns out to be too light to really fit in the 4-3 system, or he just has to be a stand-up guy, and that's why you couldn't get him. Maybe Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa is too light to play linebacker in the league, and that's the reason why he fell out the first round into the 50s. So as much as I say these things, maybe Greg Newsom is not as great as I thought he was going to be, or maybe Paulson Adebo is just as good as him. He just didn't have the same stock. These type of things happen, and it's one of those situations where We'll see how it turns out. But looking at Peyton Turner and what I want out of him, I'm not looking for him to be a world beater. Because like I said, heightened expectations are going to only heighten your uh, chance of disappointment. That's how I look at it. Heightened expectations equals a heightened chance of disappointment. And then you look at comparison. I'm not about to compare these people to nobody because comparison is a thief of joy and appreciation. Because once you compare one person to another, you have to essentially talk down on the other. Or at least place your person above. At one point, you are lowering. So that's how I look at it. It happens all around the league. Look at Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is talking about this crazy generational talent who is a Hall of Famer. He's Darren Walker, Travis Kelsey right now. What if he comes in and just has a regular good year for a rookie tight end? People, That's it? People are expecting him to come in and be Travis Kelsey, be Darren Waller. Be this 800-yard uh, tight end. Be this 1,000-yard tight end. It's not fair to him, but he has these huge expectations placed on him. If he's not that, it's just not going to be enough for people. But I'll use one more applicable to Turner. Mac Jones, if he was drafted at three. People were going to need Mac Jones to not to be a good quarterback, but to prove that he should have been taken above Mac Jones, or above Trey Lance, above Justin Fields. That's the guy you got. We should have got this person. And that's the pressure that he would have had. Not just being the third overall pick, but the third overall pick plus some. A little bit of land yap, as my guy Ross Jackson likes to say. Mac Jones, Peyton Turner would have been in very similar situations, except Mac Jones was able to avoid that spot. Peyton Turner, on the other hand, is coming in, and we're saying, man, we could have got an impact player in JOK. We could have traded up and got an impact corner in Greg Newsom or Caleb Farley. What are you going to be? The fan base feels like he's overdrafted, possibly. Probably would have preferred a more dynamic player, a bigger name. But I'm going to remove all the overdrafted, all the who got drafted around him. I'm going to remove all of that from the situation. And I'm just going to take it to him. I'm not looking for him to replace Trey Hendrickson's sack numbers. I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking for him to come in in a rotation Make an impact in some capacity, maybe five sacks. I mean, five sacks, I think I'll be okay with that. He gets five, seven sacks, I'm looking like, all right, 
Passanio, Davenport, Grandison. Are you going to replace those other six? I surely hope so. You know, the people who suffer the most from this, in my opinion, are Passanio and Grandison. I feel like the Saints still have some hope for Davenport that maybe him and Turner are the, the defensive ends of the future. Cam has decreased his play, not in, you know, quality, but in the amount of snaps that he plays percentage-wise over the last three years. He's going to need somebody. He's not getting younger. So it's very possible that Peyton Turner could be the future starter for Cam's side, not just being Cam's partner. Obviously, out of a first-round pick, personally, I would have wanted a partner, but like I said, I think this is a draft for the future. So you got a good rotation. If this guy is what they think he is, he could be a beast. Huge upside, they say. Personally, I didn't feel like we were in a spot for a luxury pick. But I want him to be up at the top. That won't feel like a luxury anymore to me. If he's at the top of the rotation, maybe first, second, getting a lot of snaps, I'll be okay with that. But to say he needs to replace T-Rex's production for it to be worth it is not fair. To say he needs to go above and beyond for it to be worth that spot is not fair. And this is nothing about the type of player it is. It's just about what we should expect from him as a first-round pick as Peyton Turner. He came from UH, all right? They're going to need a little bit of time to develop, which is why I think it's a future pick. Now, before we go into Vibe of the Week, I got a special Vibe of the Week this week. So I'm looking for Isaiah Rashad, TDE. Y'all know how much I love Zay. So TDE released this cryptic message saying 5721. That is this Friday. His question is, is it Scissor? Is it Kendrick? Is it Zay? I'm hoping it's Zay. So because of that, you know, I'm just going to get the excitement out, play a little song of Zay. Man, I love this soul. It's Brenda, Isaiah Rashad. It's been Vibe of the Week. I'll be back with the Mouth of the South podcast. Cigarettes to my last name I clock in for the check But I don't wanna go I got two cigarettes to my last name I clock in for the check But I don't wanna go She said you In your Nissan for the memory, for the energy, for the Tennessee. Fam called work, all work just to visit me. I bought an ounce with you. He don't take no hand outs, he don't take no hand outs. Remember what my papa told me. Remember what my papa told me. Trust inward, trust in ya, my inward, my friend up, flash to divine living, so timid, our owners. Dog on it, they would laugh at the small moments and call owners, but like, who had you on your bad day? Uh, who dropped you at that house? Like, like back when we was little, I was just an instrumental. Now I'm Malcolm in the million. We talked about a billion. We talked about our feelings. 
We kept it more than realists And look at how the path can Took it for the rap fan Would they give your all to the world The word, word, and left hurt And what's worse She too tired to talk Lately your thumbs hurt We miss love Bridget, your son's birth 21 hurts at court by 24 Boy Welcome back to the Mouth of the South podcast. And on the previous segment, I talked about the first round pick. Now to close out the show, I'm going to talk about the rest of them. I hope y'all enjoyed them vibes by Zay. That's my guy. 5721, let's get it. I hope it's a at least a song with an album rollout. But anyway, we didn't talk about MCU. I ain't about to go on my tangent with Zay too. So only one tangent per show. <laughs> We're going to get back to the Saints. Let's go into their second round draft pick. Pete Warner, linebacker, Ohio State. Running joke of the Saints loving Ohio State players. I'm going to tell you why I'm not too mad at it, though. So, I'm not mad at the Ohio State. I'm mad at this pick a little bit. Only because it makes me feel like, dang, J.O.K. Because I just feel like J.O.K. was so dynamic. I'm going to support Pete Warner. I think he has some talent. I think he has some skills. I don't think he's a scrub. But I think that J.O.K. was a guy who, in that similar role, could have really excelled. Hurts me that the Browns got both of my guys. The Browns quietly has kept, probably has my favorite draft because they got a bunch of guys that I really liked. That's me personally. But let's get into the Saints picks. Pete Werner, bigger linebacker, Saints prototype. It's not exactly JOK. And that's kind of what bugs me a bit is because I feel like when you're looking at these prototypes, you don't evaluate linebackers well in the draft. Why are you stuck so much to this prototype? It hasn't worked for you. The Saints have never had, or in, in Peyton's tenure, have never had this crazy linebacking core. The closest thing to it was when you had Quan, and Quan's not a big linebacker. So it's curious to me that you don't have success. You finally get a smaller linebacker. He's not JLK size, but he's smaller. And you decide, I need to have this prototype. I need to have this prototype. To me, when Quan works out for the team, it tells me, oh, maybe my prototype is not something I have to be married to. Maybe I'm allowed to change my mind on what I desire in the linebacker. Unfortunately, the Saints don't feel that way. For me, it's not about having a prototype of we need a linebacker to be this size, this height. For me, it's can the guy play? And JOK can play. But he didn't get it. We didn't get him. So I'm not about to sit here and pout. You know, I heard something... Real clever today. I'm going to steal this too. I promise you I'm going to steal it. But it came from Kendrick Perkins. And he said, what he said? He said, all, if they keep doing all the crying, what the babies in the world going to do? So I ain't going to sit up here and cry. That's not what I'm about to do. I'm just going to sit here and talk about Pete Warner and what I feel from him. What I wanted out of a linebacker coming in the draft was a sideline to sideline guy. A guy who can cover tight ends, cover running backs, and be more about pass coverage. Now, to what I saw, Warner doesn't fit that mold. I don't really see a twitchy guy. I don't really see an explosive sideline and sideline guy. But I do think he can cover tight ends. I've seen him uh, cover Pat Frymuth at Penn State. You know, his original usage was to be a cover guy at Ohio State. So, all right, I can get down with that. I can get down with you getting a guy who can cover. And if he comes in and does that, I'm fine, honestly. I'm perfectly fine. We're going to be seeing. He's going to have to go against Kyle Pitts twice a year. He's going to have to go against Tommy Treble twice a year. Um, he's going to be going against Gronk, Cameron Brait, 
possibly OJ Howard, depending on if they keep him or if he even is healthy twice a year. The line, the uh, tight ends are not slouches in the division. The NFC South can slang the rock, all right? They just got Sam Darnold over there in Carolina. We'll see what he'll be. Matt Ryan, although I feel like they should have got a quarterback, Matt Ryan can still slang the rock. Tom Brady can still slang the rock. We'll see what Jameis can be, but it don't really matter because Pete Werner ain't going to be covering nobody Jameis throwing to except for in practice. So when I look at it, I say, you better be able to cover these tight ends because I've seen you split out against them. Obviously, Ohio State had the confidence in you to go against Pat like that. So we will see if you can do it in the league. I wish he would have been more sideline to sideline, but it's okay. He can blitz well. He's powerful. He hit, he knocks back running backs when he blitz through. Running backs don't just swallow him up. He doesn't blow by them. I, I watched the Penn State game, and I watched a bit of another game. But he seems like a solid guy. The way they used him give me a little bit of calm. So as long as he can cover some, some receivers, not receivers, as long as he can cover a little bit, He'll be okay this year. I, I Honestly, that's all I really want for my linebacker, as long as DeMario's there. Somebody who can cover. Run a hit. Cover, run a hit. That's all you need to do, man. I don't need you to be great right now. I just need you to be acceptable. I don't think that's too much to ask for. He doesn't jump off the screen, but hey, whatever. And to those guys who are like, man, the Saints always draft Ohio State guys. Why don't draft no LSU guys? I feel you too. Why don't they draft the LSU guys? But I'm not about to crucify them for drafting Ohio State. And not because Ohio State's so great, but because look at the track record of players that they have drafted from Ohio State. In the Saints' time frame, they've drafted six Ohio State players. Or excuse me, in Peyton's time frame with the Saints, they've drafted six Ohio State players. Five of them were really good. Outside of Antonio Pittman, who never played for the team, they were really good. Michael Thomas, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Von Bell, Malcolm Jenkins. Why am I forgetting the last one right now? Oh, my gosh. Thomas, Lattimore, Jenkins, Bell. Wow, this is bad that I'm catching this brain fart right now. That's bad. But I'm going to look it up. But the point is that these Ohio State players that the Saints have been drafting have not been bad players. So I understand that maybe that's not what you want them to do. I understand that you look at the Saints and you say, man, you're right there at LSU territory hour away why don't you pick some of these players i agree but i'm not gonna say that at the expense of ohio state because they've actually had a lot of success going to ohio state that's how i look at it von bell thomas but i'm not about to go through it right now i i i, I can't believe i'm forgetting it right now I don't know who I'm forgetting, or maybe I just miscounted. But these guys can play. So I'm not going to crucify them for that. Keep hitting it where uh, it's successful for you. You know? That's how I look at it. If the guys are good, keep doing it. Hey. Who am I to call? Who am I to call you out on something that keeps being a success for you? So now let's get into the other day two pick. Paulson Adebo, who I like a lot. It was my first pick that the Saints had that I actually liked. And I was like, man, this guy here. This guy here is going to be one of them. Now, I already knew him. It doesn't hurt that he's from the AMA, Arlington Metropolitan area. 
you know, but I really do like him. I think he has great ball skills. I think he's projected to be best to be best in the press. So I'm like, okay. He played a lot of off at Stanford. So okay, you think he's best in press, but he played a lot of off, had great ball skills, breaking on the routes. He had a beautiful interception versus Cal. Had a beautiful interception versus Arizona where he broke on the ball. Cal was just a crazy one-handed catch in the in the uh, end zone. That was crazy, you know. But eight interceptions, countless other uh, pass breakups in just two years playing. He took a year off, you know. The reason I say his future, I would have said this was another guy who could play right now because I do feel like he's a guy who you can slot next to Marshawn. However, Loomis came out and said, you know, he, th- he has some developing to do. So that kind of tells me that they're going to draft a, a veteran corner. And unless that veteran corner's not playing that well or he just get beat, beat out in training camp, Adebo might have a year to season. You know, that'd be what it is. He's just going to marinate, learn everything he needs to, and to be ready to play in 2022. But I don't think this is a guy who, if he does get pushed in the fire this year, will disappoint. I'll say that. I think that Adebo is a really good player. I think he's young. I think he has some some upside. So, yeah, I'm excited. If he has to play this year, I'm not sweating. Obviously, he's a rookie. He might take some time to get used to it. I'm not expecting him to have a Lattimore year because I just don't think that's realistic to have a Lattimore year, your rookie year. Like, Lattimore's rookie year, that was crazy. But I think he'd be a quality player for sure. I think he blitzes off the edge well. and He's not afraid to get dirty. He's not afraid to get physical. He's a corner I like for sure. And, you know, on my Instagram, I, I asked for him. I said, man, get a Paulson Adebo and a Fatu Melifanwu. Those are the type of guys I was looking at. And to get him in the third round is good because you didn't get a corner in the first round. They traded up for him. T- traded up 20-something spots, which tells me they didn't really want Newsom because they could have traded up three spots to get him. But this is the guy who you got in the third round. And honestly, after Newsom, I think all of these guys are going to need a little bit of developing. You know, they weren't guaranteed or like maybe splashes right away i think after newsom every other corner you probably would have drafted would have been a guy where a veteran was still on the table like i said joseph melifon Wu, but really more so joseph melifon Wu and, and adebo those are probably your three corners afterwards that for me i was really high on so we'll see if a veteran comes in then he might start if he doesn't, I'm okay with the Debo starting the year. You just got to get baptized in the fire. It's going to be difficult. But, hey, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it. So now let's close it out. Ian Book. I don't really have much to say about Ian Book. Ian Book is a fourth-round quarterback, guys. I don't expect to see him on the field. Honestly, he's, I think he could be just a career backup. There's not many quarterbacks drafted in the fourth round where you're just like, yeah, that's the guy. Now we'll see. Ian Book could come in and show a lot in training camp. Maybe win the job. I don't think so. I think it's really a two-man race, and he's on the outside. But if he shows enough, this may be a situation where he shows he can be the quarterback of the future. But I'll tell you this right now. Ian Book, for me, is a depth piece in the quarterback room. And after the fourth round, once you draft in the fourth round, if things don't work out with Jameis, don't work out with Taysom, next year the Saints could still be in the market. If those things don't work out, I'm not looking like, oh, dang, Jameis ain't work out. Taysom ain't work out. I guess it's Ian Book's team. No. Man is a fourth round pick. That doesn't guarantee him anything. That's not to say he can't be good, but it doesn't guarantee him anything. If Jameis and Taysom don't work out, either one of them don't work out, the Saints are right back into the market for a quarterback next year. That's my personal take on it. 
So let's get into wide receiver because I would have preferred that the Saints drafted a wide receiver in the fourth round. That's what I was looking for because I wanted somebody who could come in and impact right away. So they draft Kawan Baker in the seventh round, and I'm not about to break down like I broke down Werner and, and Adebo, but I'm not going to break down all of these guys. I didn't break down Turner. I didn't break down Book. I'm not going to break down Baker. All right, South Alabama, small school. I think he has a chance. I think he has a chance. Honestly, he could make a, a one of the bigger impacts out of this draft class because he's going to come in, and if he makes the team, he's a fifth receiver, maybe sixth receiver. Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, um, Marquez Callaway. Then after that, who are you looking at? That's what I'm saying. It's one of those situations where there's not a lot of bodies there. Deontay Harris, that's why I say he could be the fifth because you got Devontae, Devontae, excuse me, Deontay Harris. But like I said last episode, I'm not confident about his health. If he's healthy, yeah, I think he's a great player. I think he'd be really dynamic on the offense and could add a lot of juice. He's the one player on his team where if he's in open space, I feel like they're not going to catch him. He's the one guy. So out of everybody, you know. But he, Baker could be the fifth receiver. He could get some run. And really he could get Deontay Harris' spot possibly, depending on if they want him to focus on, on special teams or not. But my problem is I would have invested earlier because these late Ryan guys are flyers. But I would invest it earlier because I can't keep depending on Traquan Smith, and I'm assuming they can't either, and they're really banking on Marquez Callaway. That's what I'm banking on. That's what I'm thinking. Because I've been in this year after year after year with Traquan. He can't be my number two. I understand the Saints are trading in a hurt quarterback who couldn't make the throws. He admitted himself for a strong-armed quarterback who has LASIK now and work harder than everybody, including Dak. That's coming out of Jameis's own mouth. However, I cannot only change the quarterback. I can't keep depending on the same guys. There's a reason that we brought in Emmanuel Sanders last year. Marquez Callaway is going to have to be your number two, and he's going to have to show you something because I can't keep depending on, on Traquan. I was hype about him this rookie year. I've always felt like Traquan needs to be a three, and I've argued that since the day the, uh, his rookie season ended when people were slightly disappointed. And I will continue to argue that. However, every single year he's been in the league, he's been pushed into being a number two. He was a number two his rookie year when Trey, uh, when Ted Ginn wasn't healthy. He was a number ten two years number two two years ago. Last year he was supposed to finally be a number three. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders, and Mike Mike gets hurt, so now he's a number two to Emmanuel Sanders, and that's the reason for the first time in twenty some odd years the Saints didn't have an eight hundred yard receiver. I would have liked to invest it earlier. Jalen Darden, Tylen Wallace went before us. That was a tough blow, especially uh, Darden going in the draft to the uh, I mean in the division. That was a difficult blow. But I look at it, and I say, okay, you drafted Ian Book. It is what it is. But I just wish it would have been higher capital because I don't want to go in with the same guys. I would have liked the receiver in the first round when all the other people was going. But how I feel is I need that receiver. I need some new blood. I need new things to go on. But it is what it is in the first round, no wide receiver. Second, third round, hit probably two of your bigger needs. You know I had wide receiver in there right at number two to go along with linebacker at number three. But they hit some big needs for him. So 
We'll see what the wide receivers can do. We'll see if Jameis changes them and has them explode. But as my tone, you know, probably conveys, I'm not the most optimistic about that. It'll be Michael Thomas and some other guys. I hope they can put it in. Point. I almost said it. I ain't said it. I ain't say it. <laughs> I haven't said it yet, but I almost did. But there's a reason that the Saints got Emmanuel Sanders. And that is what it is. I hate to end it on such a pessimistic note. You know, I wish I could have ended it talking about Adebo. Well, maybe I will. Adebo is a guy who I'm extremely excited to see. And we'll see if he is a day one starter. Maybe somewhere starting down the line. Especially with Lattimore's legal situation. We'll see if he gets some time and proves himself. Who knows? Even if you bring in a veteran, it could be an AK, Adrian Peterson type of moment. But we go. Ended on some uh, optimism. But y'all know the drill. Till the next time y'all hear me run it back, it's been Darian Gray, the mouth of the South.